0: All right, real talk now. It's getting real. All that, all those podcasts we did before today—they don't matter. Just delete them. Don't even bother listening. It's time for that's not true. Time for position previews. Welcome everybody. We're starting with catchers. The catcher preview, aka, wah wah. <laughs> 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 We're
1: starting uh, on the wrong foot here.
0: Uh, well, we always start with catcher. You know, it's kind of easy. Uh, then we'll probably do relief pitcher, and then we'll get into the, the wow. more fun position. really
1: starting with the crud. Yeah, Man. yeah, Oof. but
0: that'll be next week, by the way. Looking like we're going to do a mailbag show tomorrow on Friday, and uh, then we'll take a little three-day weekend and come back with some more position previews. That's Scott White. I'm Adam Azer. This is Heath Cummings. Hello, Heath. What is going on? I reject the premise
2: that we're starting off with catcher, and that's a bad thing. It's a great thing. This is a chance for you to get a huge edge on your league. By being good at catcher.
0: How many people can do that? There might be a third of the league that could have a good catcher this year. Yeah, there you go. Uh, there were actually a lot of catchers last year who had surprisingly good seasons. Like both guys on the Braves finished as top 13 catchers. Uh, Austin Barnes, we, Scott loves it. Yes. I would suggest that we
2: should not say top 13 catcher means they had a good season. But they were, but individually they had a good season. Right. Well, they just didn't play that much. Right. Yes. Well, oh, yeah. But
0: I thought like, like Yadier Molina had a surprisingly good season. Mike Zanino had a surprisingly good season. Robinson Chirinos.
1: They Suzuki show up surprisingly high in the rankings. But I think, I think they had, <laughs> I think,
0: okay, but they had, a lot of these guys had career years. Alex Avila had a much better year than what we expected. And they, and still they weren't really impactful for fantasy. Which just kind of says something about catcher, right? right? Yeah,
1: no, there were, I there were five impactful catchers, six impactful catchers in fantasy last year. I feel like, um, with maybe McCann being on the fringe as a seventh. Brian why don't McCann. you?
0: Why don't you? Yeah, right. Uh, James McCann. What, what's the the stat? James McCann. Oh no, it was actually Alex Avila. McCann had a lot of hard contact. Did you know that Alex Avila? Had the second-highest hard contact rate in baseball.
1: I did. Behind J.D. Martinez. And I was excited. He signed with the Diamondbacks to be a primary catcher. And now he's going to make soft contact because everybody's going to make soft contact (laughs) there because the balls are
0: waterlogged.
1: (laughs) All right. Our humidor show was yesterday. So
0: as we get into catchers here, your emails, by the way, uh, we won't read them today, but we'll read them tomorrow on Friday. FantasyBaseball at CBSi.com. Uh, I think we should go through the point-per-game leaders. We've never really done that before in the position preview, Scott, but it's something you, you drop that knowledge a lot. And it's not gospel. It doesn't mean that it's how they're going to finish this year, but I think it could be helpful since so many guys have so many different games played and played appearances just to know yeah. who was best on a per-game basis. Uh, I don't even know if Gary Sanchez was number one last year. Oh, yes. He was he far was. and
1: away number one with 3.38. Number two.
0: Oh, but, but tell me real quick why he was so much better than – Wilson Contreras, because on a plate appearance basis, I feel like they were pretty close. In fact, I think, yeah, they were very close. Maybe he just didn't have, maybe he got pulled early. I don't know. Contreras didn't have as many appearances
2: per game. I do think definitely playing for the Cubs lends
0: its and in the National League,
2: yeah, lends probably. itself to playing a lot more partial games.
0: Okay. All right, Scott. Go, go on. Sanchez, number one.
1: Sanchez, number one. Number two will probably shock you. It was Kurt Suzuki. Wow! Yeah, three point oh four, and, and you know this probably isn't as relevant at catcher because normalizing playing time doesn't make much sense at this format since there's so many split roles like Kurt Suzuki. But you know, just just for the sake of putting it out there, Kurt Suzuki was number two. Buster Posey was three. Brian McCann was four. Yadier Molina five. Evan Gaddis then Wilson Contreras. Salvador Perez. J.T. Realmuto. Robinson Chirinos. Wellington Castillo.
0: One more time. Give, give, me a, give me the list again.
1: Gary Sanchez, Kurt Suzuki, Buster Posey, Brian McCann, Yadier Molina, Evan Gaddis, Wilson Contreras, Salvador Perez, JD, JT Real Muto, and if you want a couple more, Robinson Chirinos, okay. Wellington Castillo. All right. We need to do some, uh, some
2: serious um, maneuvering slash adjusting on Wilson Contreras' per-game numbers. He had 22 appearances where he did not start the game. So he played 117 games, 95 of those as a starter. Mm-hmm. I'm going to assume that you, you normalize that. And as a starter,
1: he was the second best catcher and it was much, much closer to Sanchez.
0: Well, it, on a per plate appearance basis, it was nearly identical.
1: It would be hard for him to top Austin Barnes if you're just mm-hmm. factoring in starts because starts was, Austin Barnes was exactly the same as Evan Gaddis. Um, if you just remove all his Evan Gaddis. Gary I'm Sanchez. sorry, as Gary Sanchez on a per-game basis if you remove his uh, mm-hmm. reserve appearances.
0: Now, one other thing to keep in mind is that Gary Sanchez doesn't have great plate discipline. 40 walks to 120 strikeouts. So that means his fantasy points per game or just fantasy points in general might not be as high as his roto value. He was the number one catcher in both formats. But, you know, this is just points, points. And also, Sanchez barely doubled. He had, uh, I think, 20 doubles. So um, so this is just points. Uh, Roto is a little bit different Keep that in mind Some stats to know about catchers Well, Gary Sanchez was the number one catcher in fantasy In both points and Roto He played 122 games If he had played So basically he missed the sixth of his season right? He missed just under a month I I divided his uh I, I gave him an extra sixth, basically Although maybe I should have given him an extra fifth Because he played uh, I don't know Anyway he would have had the best year at catcher since Buster Posey in 2012. You
1: should, you should have given him an extra fifth. So even so better. It would have been even better. Yeah, yeah, I gave him an extra sixth. Yeah,
0: I should have given him an extra fifth. Yeah. Yeah, so he would have had he would have had like over 500 fantasy points, which is a great year, but as it stands Gary Sanchez was the number 77 hitter in points, number 46 in Roto, and he was the best um I think there were two catchers who were in the top 100 of, of hitters. We know what this position is, so I guess that lends the question: What's your strategy? What is your overall catcher strategy?
1: I don't. I, I'm. Not, I'm. Not, I haven't been making a heavy investment in catcher this year. I've just been taking the best of what's left, and you know, maybe Austin Barnes is the guy who I'm willing to reach a little for. But we're still talking the late rounds at that point. Um, you know y- Yasmani Grandal's there yet, so I, I don't think people have totally caught on to the idea that Barnes is probably the Dodgers' primary catcher and could be really good in that role. But otherwise, like I, I understand the appeal of reaching for Sanchez, it just seems like it to to ensure that you get him, it has to be round two, and there's so many so many high end bats that feel safer to me at that stage of the draft. I am going to be fascinated
2: to see. Now, Chris won't be in our auction today. We've got an ale only auction, and I I will be very curious to see how, what Gary Sanchez's price is related to the rest of the field. My general strategy had been just wait and wait and wait and take Evan Gaddis. I may change that to wait and wait and wait and take Wilson Ramos. Now, um, looking at his average draft position, it's really late. It's mm-hmm. uh. 200
0: overall. We need ADP boy here.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at ADP right now. It looks like it's 200.7 is the average of the three. The highest is 161
0: is his ADP, so around 14. And what number off the board is Wilson? He's 11th. He's the 11th. number 11 catcher. So, all right. I, let, me, let me run down the list of ADP real quick here. Uh, I won't tell you where they're going. I just, I just will get into that. I just want to know how many of them you'd feel comfortable with as your starting catcher. Obviously, Gary Sanchez, Wilson Contreras, Buster Posey, JT Realmuto, feel comfortable with, right?
1: Yeah, of course. Had a very good year last year, really did. Mm-hmm. He's kind of boring, but that's,
0: boring is good at catcher. Salvador Perez? Yep. Evan Gaddis?
1: Yep. yep. Gets a little tricky after that. Um, Yadier Molina? Yeah, I, I feel comfortable. I mean, I'm not enthused, but I'm comfortable. He's, he's old JT Realmuto. Yep. Mike Zanino is the number eight catcher off the board. I don't feel comfortable with him. Um, I know he is kind of a a trendy industry pick. I think that
2: the comfort is the problem. I have no comfort with him, but he is part of a different class of catchers that I could absolutely see finishing here as a top five catcher okay I, I could also see him being in the minor leagues again
0: yeah I mean he had a 355 BABIP last year he's usually like a 200 hitter and I would and put, often
2: goes to the minors. <laughs> I would put Austin Barnes in the same that same class with you of you're
0: just not that comfortable
2: yeah because I'm not that comfortable that he's the regular catcher for the Dodgers
0: yeah um definitely could be a trade there we'll keep an eye on it and he did start. Austin Barnes did start thirteen of fifteen postseason games. I yes. That goes along. He, maybe he that goes definitely. Along.
1: It, and it pretty much j- just started in the postseason. Okay, he's our primary catcher over Grandal. It was it was kind of a 60-40 split with Grandal taking the lead down the stretch. Um, but yeah, it was pretty evident evident to me by postseason usage that um, that Barnes is the one they want back there. But Grandal himself is too good to just make a backup. Right. So it'll be. And we've got a.
0: We've got a quote on that, right? Yes. Dave Roberts said that – well, let me get the quote. Dave Roberts said, quote, Yasmani had more playing time and at-bats last season, and I see that again, but Austin has earned the opportunities. Hmm. Uh, that, that was yesterday. That was February
1: 13th or 14th, so yeah. a lot can change. He also tried to say Matt Kemp was going to be good on defense because he has something to play for. <laughs> so Dave Roberts I, is just spewing all kinds of BS. I
2: think what Dave – like. Dave Roberts is probably right. Matt Kemp didn't try that hard for the Braves last
0: year. Maybe. He should
2: try harder because he's playing for something.
0: Well, okay, so (laughs) I used to just kind of take catcher like, well, if I didn't get Buster Posey, I wouldn't mind being in a 12-team league, the 12th guy to take a catcher. I think I might want to be like the 6th or 7th guy to take a catcher if I don't get Gary Sanchez. Um, I don't know that I want to rely on Brian McCann or – or Austin Barnes or Yasmani Grandal. You know, in a normal year, I'd be fine with Grandal. But I don't want to rely on Jonathan Lucroy or or Wellington Castillo or Mike Zanino. These guys are top 10 catchers in ADP. Mm-hmm. I'd go, I think we all would go a little bit out of the ADP order. um, you know, from like 7 on. Right. Uh, so I'm not saying that you have to go by what ADP is right now. Just go look at our rankings. But I don't know if there are not, there are certainly not 12 catchers that I'm comfortable with. Of course, I do know that there will be multiple players, multiple people in each fantasy league that have, you know, basically nothing at catcher, so it's not a
1: yeah. huge deal, right? Right. And there will be, well, there 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 will be catchers who I think, in a league where everybody just has one catcher spot to fill. All right, you know, people aren't going to double up at catcher. There's not, there's never a scarcity in one catcher leagues. Of catchers that you could plug into your lineup Not saying they'll be good But they'll be compar- comparable to what some of the Worst teams at catcher have at catcher So mm-hmm. It's it's hard, you're rarely going to have Like a disaster scenario at catcher Where you're just getting um, Blown out there every week And I, part of the reason Why I don't want to make an investment in Like a JT Real Muto who You know, I, I know isn't going to be A huge difference maker, he's just going to be a little better than what half the league's probably going to have is because I can fall back on, yeah, just making do with the position in a way that's not really going to set me apart in a bad way and hope that because there is so much, so many starting catchers on the waiver wire because, you know, every team has only one, that there's a breakout that nobody even sees coming. And I can capitalize on that. Maybe Mike Zunino miraculously cuts down on his strikeouts this year. Or maybe James McCann, who has some interesting batted ball data, uh, he has a legit breakout now with Alex Avila out of the way. So like that's that's part of the reason why I don't want to make a big investment in and in what's probably going to be a boring option if I'm not getting Gary Sanchez or Buster Posey.
0: Okay, Heath, you really had me on the Evan Gaddis train for a while. I was really on the Evan, and yeah. I'm
2: not totally off the Evan Gaddis train yet either. I still think, I still believe mostly everything I said. What really throws me off, though, is playing time concerns. Mm-hmm. And I have more of those than I did. The Astros, like Dave Roberts, have said a lot of things this offseason <laughs> about guys they would like to play regularly. Um, they would like for Evan Gaddis to be their everyday DH. Is what they've said. Now, not everyday, but regular DH. Primary. Um, they would like to give Derek Fisher a chance to be their starting left fielder. Those two things don't work very well if Yuli Gurriel is their starting first baseman <laughs> and Josh Reddick is starting in the outfield and Marwin Gonzalez is playing on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't work. Do you well think? At all. Do you
0: think Gaddis gets 400 at bats? I do. Yeah, if he had gotten 400 at-bats based on what he did last year, he would have been the number seven catcher in points leagues. So he only had 300 at-bats last year. And and we saw him be the number two catcher in points in both formats in 2015, uh, top five in 2016. Gaddis doesn't need that many at-bats to make a difference. Uh, well,
1: 400 at-bats is a lot of at-bats for a catcher.
0: It's not a ton, though. It's not, it's not like an unreasonable, like 500 is, is a lot.
1: Five, it'd only be 500 would only like, be like five guys you, who do that. Uh, yeah. If a catcher gets 500 at bats, he's, he's probably going to be top, top five, five almost by default. Yes. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it sounds like this this was my fear with Gaddis all along while well, I wasn't on the Gaddis train from the beginning because I was even before the idea that Derek Fisher could win a lot of the starts and left. Um, There was a concern that, uh, you know, if, if they, if they put Gaddis at DH every day, that meant they were putting Marwan Gonzalez in left field every day. And that's a waste of Marwan Gonzalez's versatility. And that's something AJ Hinch said he didn't want to do. He wanted to use the DH spot to rest other players and move Marwan Gonzalez all over. So, yeah, there's, I think there's a limit to the number of at bats Gaddis can get this year. I also think he's going to get 400. Yeah. But, I don't think he's going to get 500 or more.
2: Where I've gone is from I'm going to draft Evan Gaddis in every draft, and I have him ranked as the top three catcher. To he's still undervalued. I'm still going to get a lot of him, but I don't want to have all of
0: the Evan Gaddis. Okay, Gaddis is in points seventh for Scott, sixth for Heath in Roto, sixth for Scott, fourth for Heath. So uh, we'll get back to uh, Gaddis and other guys. So that's you know your overall strat- uh, catcher strategy, and then this follow up question: the earliest you'll take a catcher, which is obviously. I mean, for most people, it's Gary Sanchez. He still has Posey ahead of Sanchez in points leagues. Yes. Uh, the plate discipline is a big, big factor there. Posey's basically one-to-one, walk to strikeout. Sanchez, one-to-three, walk to strikeout. So that's, you know, it's a big deal. But um how early I, – I, th- I know I asked you this during our mic check. I didn't ask you on the air yet, did I, when you would take Gary Sanchez? I would take Gary <laughs> Sanchez,
1: like, in the middle of round three. And that—that that, so far that's a been a never kid. Are you saying
2: yeah. the? But are you saying you would take him at the in the same place in a two catcher roto league as a one catcher head to head league? Um. Yes, I would. Because I I would take Gary Sanchez in the second round of a two catcher roto league. The end of the second.
1: See, I'm not sure. I I'm not sure that he isn't more valuable in the one catcher leagues because you're getting a clearer advantage. In a one catcher league than you are in a two catcher league because so much crap is going to be started a catcher in a two catcher league.
2: And you're not starting that
1: crap in at least one of those spots. Some people are going to start crap in two different catcher positions. Sure. Um, I, I, I'm just, I'm just saying like there's going, there, there's going to be so much, um, so many catchers that are just canceling each other out in one catcher league, what I notice Gary Sanchez is one who definitively is more than just canceling yeah
0: let 's talk generally about catchers. the two catcher league versus one catcher league and how your strategies change and if you 're in a twelve team or even a ten team two catcher league, at what point in the catcher rankings do you get to just these are terrible players. I need two of at least the top sixteen or what you know i 'm just throwing out a totally random number how, you know how do you Approach a two catcher league, and I know not that many people play in two catcher leagues, so let's do this sort of quickly um but how do you
1: approach it? How does it change uh high end low end what not I, I have...
2: take two catchers before Scott takes one
1: yeah yeah it, it sounds like that and i and I've always kind of been of the mindset that the elite catchers are have a bigger benefit in a one catcher league than a two catcher league um and I know that sounds kind of backwards, but hopefully I explained three I don't behind understand it. well. Okay, so so okay, I, I didn't.
2: I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I don't understand it yet.
1: Okay. Um, <laughs> 17 is how far I go at catcher. Because Francisco Mejia, I have 18th. Mm-hmm. And he's obviously, like, he's not going to be with the Indians right. to start the season, probably. I just like the upside there and think he could uh, end up getting a lot of at-bats later on. So uh 17 that goes through James McCann and Russell Martin I'd be fine with those as my second catcher. Okay. I,
0: I You want you want to dominate in the two catcher league? You want to dominate the position? I it depends
2: on if like I feel like most people are working off of rankings that are based on a one catcher league in terms of where they have catchers ranked in their top 300. I think catchers fall too far in two catcher leagues. And if that happens and I'm taking my second catcher who is Wellington Castillo and he's available in the teens rounds, which he often is. Yeah. Then I'm, yeah, I'm going to take Wellington Castillo because I don't see the point in waiting another five or six rounds so that I can have Manny Pena.
0: Right. You don't, you don't want to be awful. You don't want guys who are part-time players or I I don't really want, I don't want like Matt Weeders. Yeah, he's he's outside of
1: my top seventeen. Agreed.
0: Yeah, he's been just awful lately. But you could you you could go with both Dodgers catchers. Interesting strategy. You could wait even longer and take both Braves catchers. Although let's be one hundred percent honest, Kurt Suzuki. Yeah, Where the, the hell to did that. that come? I wouldn't from do that. Like
1: Dodgers, I understand because you are hoping Grandal gets traded at some point. Flowers and Suzuki are both outside of that seventeen. But right? even if you take both
0: you're, Dodgers catchers, you had you probably have two top. 12 to 14 guys
1: you know what i like, then you're good at the position you know what i found well assuming things play out like they did last year uh you know what i i found myself wanting to do at times is take both mccann's just because i like the value of them not you know i'd rather have austin barnes than brian mccann but um if that doesn't work out like i you know brian mccann's gonna get you 20 homers james mccann i think has a good chance of giving you 15 homers and they both should have uh you know, neither is going to absolute like neither has that Mike Zunino batting average issue going on.
0: Scott, real quick list of players that you think are better in points than Roto.
1: Posey. Uh Real Muto is the first one that comes to mind. Yeah, Posey also, sure. Ramos. Uh Wilson Ramos? Um I don't know. He's he he hits you enough home runs, I think, to be just as valuable, and and should be respectable with the batting average.
0: I would go ahead and say uh, Yadier Donnie Molina because yep. he
1: plays so much. Yep. Played appearances matter. Uh Potentially, Lucroy. I'm kind of worried. Lucroy not even going to be a starter somewhere, to be honest.
0: <laughs> I want to talk about him. I think he's he's interesting. Just just something interesting about him. We'll get to it. And
1: provided. Something happens to give Barnes regular playing time. As much as he walks and as little as he strikes out, I think he would be, I think he would be especially a head to head stud. He'd be okay. good in both, but especially head to head. Heath, do you have guys that stand out
0: to you as better in Roto? Gattis.
2: Yeah. Uh, for sure. He, he is the,
0: uh, McCann. Both of the Astros. Zanino. Okay. Um, yeah, Zanino for sure. Right. Yeah. And, and Zanino's going to hurt your batting average, but he's not going to get, catchers don't get, the types of plate appearances that are, you know, are going to weigh on your batting average as much as like a regular guy who's playing 150 games because they sit, but they still
2: like you they watch hurt. And one thing I do, and I think it kind of annoys Scott sometimes, but we have during <laughs> <You>? our roto <laughs> drafts, you can go into the league to the stats page and go down to team totals and check to see what everybody has in home runs, what everybody has in batting average so far through the draft. And so I will keep that open as a personal reference, but also so that when any time Scott's in last in a category, I can
1: tell him, "Man, <laughs> you're really terrible at this." He he gets in my head, but he, 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 does, he, he actually, do actually does. He could do that. But, but yeah. the thing about I that, start the- drafting for the projections, which is stupid because I don't even believe in the projections. <laughs> <laughs> like I just want to make it look better so Heath will get off my cage. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yes, perfect. Um, <laughs> but it is instructive in
2: a way as well because if you have a team that's not filled either of their catcher spots they're probably going to be in the top three in batting average. And then you're going to see that even though it doesn't make as big a difference as an average player does, their batting average is going to drop considerably when they fill those two catcher slots.
0: All right. You can, let's, uh, let's get into ADP sleepers, breakouts, bus. What? one but, real, yeah, quick, yeah, real quick. Real um,
1: quick. Cause I think I thought of a better way to explain <laughs> why I like the elite <laughs> catchers more in one catcher formats. And it's because one catcher formats, you have so many, so many, you have fewer hitter spots to fill. Yeah, this is easy. Just because fewer they're shallower
0: and and one player makes a bigger impact. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. it's
1: I, getting a I clear impact at any position is going to matter more when you have fewer positions to fill. Yeah, I I, I don't agree with that, but I I do it I better understand it now. Okay, I I think I do agree with that.
0: Um, but yes, I can see uh I can see both sides there. All right, uh, favorite sleeper catcher Heath. How deep do we need to go for sleepers? I don't know.
2: it's the world is I'll go really deep. Is your I'll say Stephen I'll say Stephen Vote. That is Oh, wow. Ah, okay. That's a deep sleeper. He's not in my top 24 catchers, but I do think in a mixed two-catcher league, you could make an argument for having him in a, as a in a reserve spot because if Stephen Vote, I I don't think he's particularly likely to get 400 at-bats. But if Stephen Vote did get 400 at-bats, he might be a top
0: 6 or 7 catcher at Miller Park. He batted, Stephen Vogt batted 328
1: with a 625 slugging percentage at Miller Park last year. Um, Scott, give me a sleeper. So I kind of want to go Mejia here, but I assume we're going to talk about prospects later. Um, I am actually going to go, and this is unexciting, but it's catcher, James McCann, who I mentioned some of the batted ball trends for him before. Yeah. You're going to say he's a tiger, right? He's and a tiger. It also, oh, that's true. <laughs> it's a good point.
2: I, I, I saw in Adam's notes, he had something about Alex Avila and what a great year he had in terms but of contact. It, he thing, was a tiger. That's it's a good one point. thing
1: to be a little skeptical of the career high hard contact rate, which was close to 40, which is very good. Um, his line drive rate was 28.2 last year. Yeah. Also, like league leading stuff. And he only had a 300 Babbitt. Um, that. You know, he's not a guy who strikes out a lot. It seems like there's a lot more batting average potential here than the 253 he hit last year. He also had a career high ISO last year. So, you know, he's 27 years old now. Um, he's shown he's at least a decent power hitter, 13 home runs and 391 plate appearances last year. Again, with Avila out, I think, I think there's the potential here for like a, uh, like a 275-280-20 homer season from James McCann that nobody's going to see coming. And I'm not saying, like, that's my expectation for him, but I just see the potential for it.
0: I don't usually give sleepers breakouts bust, but I would just want to nominate someone because I don't think we'll talk about him. Chris Iannetta, now he's on the Rockies. Is he a sleeper?
1: I I don't think he's going to play enough. They always... Every team he's been with has typically focused on playing him against lefties, which doesn't mean that's all he's going to play against. But they still have Tony Walters, who's a left-handed hitter. So I think he's going to be about the same as he was for Arizona last year. I Which is – well, where did he finish? I'm sorry, because he slugged 5'11". I'll take mm -hmm. a look at where he finished.
0: Go ahead, uh, Heath.
2: Uh, Just back to the Tigers thing real quick because I didn't want to speak out of turn or say this without some sort of confirmation – um I'm not so sure that the uh he's a tiger thing is totally limited to hard contact. Uh, there were a lot of high line drive rates and Miguel Cabrera had a career high line drive rate. Yes. Last year. We, so
1: that's uh, part of what we talk about every time we talk about Miguel right. Cabrera. I so I, I'm just saying I don't know if that's real either.
0: Ionetta was the number 23 catcher in points leagues, number 18 in Roto. So not that good. You know, I mean he, and on a per game basis he was good. He had 17 home runs in 89 games, but uh, right, just just mashes lefties, but I, I would I would say that if you're in a two catcher league, like I'd be happy taking Ionetta as my number two catcher in one of the final rounds because I I think he'll probably finish top twenty four, uh, you know, with not much upside because he doesn't play that many games. Uh, your favorite breakout catcher, Scott, you can go first here.
1: Austin Barnes, who again, I mean, the the, the key stat for him is in his starts last year he averaged as many. Fantasy points per game is Gary Sanchez. And in a way, that's totally believable looking at his minor league track record. It looks like everything just carried over from that seamlessly. Very good on-base guy. Doesn't strike out much. Above-average power for a catcher. Steals, too. Uh, yeah, he does run a little yeah. bit. Um, he actually is eligible at second base, which is another avenue for him to get at bats. Even though, obviously, you'd never play him there at fantasy. So he's a, he's an athletic catcher. He's one the Dodgers clearly like. And I just, I just hope they can find a way to get Grandal out of the way.
0: Yeah. It's tough. Like he, okay. So Barnes slugged 514 against lefties. I got to double check on this. This could be a typo, but I got him at 359 against righties. So it seems like an easy platoon split. Um, also he's 28 and i'm thinking his minor league numbers he's probably pretty old when he was putting up good it's minor true. league numbers yeah that's true I, it's just it's just tough for me to value a guy who pretty much came out of nowhere
1: he slugged 459 against right okay 459 actually okay, well, then, hit, batted 328 321 321 so. all right so that was a typo on my bad
0: so so then forget what i just said about the platoons um, so yeah i don't know like be, the reason why i worry about barnes is cuz you kind of have to take him early it's not like he's he's a late round pick, really. He's the twelfth catcher off the board. They're all sort of late round picks after a while, but he is the twelfth right. catcher off the board.
1: Right. I don't that. What round is it? like? What's the ADP? Really late. Two hundred and third. Two hundred and fourth.
0: So in a one catcher league, sure. If you want to wait till the end and take Barnes, great. Mm-hmm. Two catcher league, you have to make a little bit more of an investment in him. It seems. Yeah. Uh, probably. You cool with Barnes? I think you have some. Is it the Grandal? Yeah, I have playing I, I, time. I, thing? If. I don't think he's probably going to be drafted early
2: enough to where he could be a bust, but I think he's a pretty good bust candidate. Okay. Because there is a chance that he plays 40% of the time and he's just almost useless. Who's your favorite breakout, Heath, at catcher? I'm going to go with a really old breakout, but uh, I'll say Beef Wellington. And I've said this <laughs> two or three times before and it's because he hits the crap out of the baseball. I, I understand that he may have some deficiencies in other areas. But over the last three seasons, his hard contact rate 38 percent, 39.8%, 39 39%. percent. He's playing in Chicago, which is an outstanding environment for a hitter like him. And he's always had some playing time concerns, never got quite as many plate appearances as I would like. Their only other catcher is Omar Narvez, and he's awful. I, this if he can just stay healthy, I think he could get to that 450. At bat range, and he's a top seven or eight catcher in that case.
0: Yeah, Castillo basically coming off a career year. Uh, at, a, at age thirty, he'll be thirty one in April. He batted two eighty two with twenty home runs. He only played ninety six games. He slugged four ninety. That's awesome for a catcher. Scott, where did Wellington Castillo finish in points per game, if you wouldn't mind? He was uh, one
1: of the names I mentioned. Uh okay, so one, two I gotta I gotta skip over the guys who got like twelve at bats. Sure. Two, three, four.
0: We're looking at Wellington Castillo here, who, you know, I, I ripped. 11th. Yep. I ripped Heath last year. I thought, cause Heath had him as a, I don't know, sleeper breakout last year. I said, nah, I'm not feeling it with Wellington Castillo. Heath was right on that one. All right. So let's do a bust at catcher. Heath, Heath who do you got? It's so, and
2: because of all the things that I have said to Scott about busts in the past and where they're being drafted, it's really hard for me to call a catcher a bust. Um, if I was going to choose one, even though I have him ranked as the fifth best catcher in points leagues, it would probably be Salvador Perez. Why?
1: Whoa.
2: Um, his great, great skill has mostly been staying healthy and playing a lot. Ned Yost played him a lot because they he is maybe the most valuable player on the Royals. They're not playing for anything this year. They're not playing for anything probably next year. And he's signed for the next four or five years. I'm not certain we can count on Salvador Perez to lead catchers in games played like he has most of the years of his career. And he did have a DL stint last year, right? Yes. Yeah, so. Um, so, and, and if he doesn't, he doesn't really stand out in a lot of areas. He's going to be hitting in one of the worst lineups in baseball, it looks like. Maybe if Eric Hosmer comes back and is hitting right in front of him, he'll have a few more RBI opportunities. Um, you don't expect him to hit for a particularly high average. He does not walk. Yeah. So uh,
0: there is bust potential there. Okay. Uh, you can pretty much expect something in the 260 range for Salvador Perez. He'll probably hit 24-ish home runs. I don't know. That seems like a reasonable projection. So he's good. But, yes, Heath brings up good points about Salvador Perez. He's he's somewhat of an accumulator. Scott, a bust for you.
1: So there, there's nobody here who I think, like, all positions being equal, I'm going to pick out as a bust. But right. Yadir Molina is just so old, right? <laughs> and they yeah. have Carson Kelly now in line to be his backup. He's all he's the backup and he's the era apparent. He's a top catching prospect, uh very good defensively. I I think the the um the bat skills don't look too far off from like a Jonathan Lucroy or at least like a JT Realmuto type. So, you know, that's it's hard for me to envision a scenario where he just overtakes Yadier Molina because Molina's kind of like a face of the franchise type, but it's not totally far fetched either. I think it's
0: easier to talk about busts when we get
1: into ADP and see
0: where these guys are going because Wilson Contreras is actually the second catcher off the board, mm-hmm. and I think you can make an interesting bust case for Buster Posey. I sure, mean, first of all, he he he's got he's got bust in his name; uh. like, that has to count for <laughs> something. Uh, Uh, I
1: almost picked him just because he's – for where you're drafting him, he can actually – that can actually hurt you. Like Heath was saying, like, you're not making a big investment in most of these guys. So if they're bad, who cares?
0: Yeah, he's going 61st overall, Buster Posey. Wilson Contreras is going 58th overall. And Gary Sanchez, 22nd overall. Um, All right, then. So last catcher note, probably the most important – I shouldn't have buried the lead here. Today is Russell Martin's birthday. So happy birthday, Russell Martin. Is he – (laughs) Fifty three. <laughs> uh, I said off the air. He is the uh, the generic brand, a uh, generic version of of Brian McCann. Just a lot later. I don't think anybody agreed with me. Does he have third base <laughs> eligibility? <laughs> he doesn't. Uh, mm, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, he Well, he does according to Fantasy Pros. I don't know about it. And I d- I did uh, get the numbers backwards. He's he's thirty five. He's thirty five, right? So, um, all right, here we go. So ADP. All right, Gary Sanchez is clearly clearly number one. He's going 35 picks before Wilson Contreras. And let me ask you, do you guys see any bust potential for Gary Sanchez? Does anything concern you about him?
1: No. Uh, just health. Just maybe assuming at-bats that uh, – assuming he's going to have a big advantage of it in at-bats it and maybe it's it doesn't end up being that big now that they have uh, – Judge and Stanton, presumably one of them is going to start a DH most most every day. Um, but just in terms of performance, I don't see a lot to be concerned about. Okay. He yeah. yeah what, what do you think? Um,
0: because I see I see. Look, I'm I'm trying to nitpick, but people, but I don't want to just say, oh, he's completely safe. I don't know. Uh, I see like 36.9 percent hard contact rate, 25.4 percent home run to fly ball ratio. Like that's a high home run to fly ball ratio. He does play at Yankee Stadium. That Uh helps a lot. Mm -hmm. But yes, he could have, it's,
2: here is the, I guess, non-injury worst case scenario for Gary Sanchez, in my opinion. He could have a year where he has a 17 or 18% home run to fly ball rate. And so he loses what? He had 33 homers last year. 33 and 520. And and maybe let's just say he only gets 525 plate appearances again, which is still a ton for a catcher. So he hits 24 home runs, 25 home runs. And he has a bad BABIP here, which he's a catcher. He strikes out maybe 25% of the time. He hits 260 with 25 home runs. And all of a sudden, he looks a lot like Salvador Perez.
0: He could return like fourth round value, maybe instead of second round value. That's the real well. That's risk. not fourth round value. Yeah, that's lower than that's, fourth. That's round. like eighth. No, but round that's value. but still, if the but downside that's, that's is a bad, Salvador that's Perez, a bad. Yeah,
1: like I was,
0: I was kind of giving a different scenario, like because he's going twenty second overall. Uh, I, I, I'm going to pull up the rest of ADP unless you have it there because I only have catchers. Um, let's I, see who he's going ahead of. I would say if he goes, if his ADP is twenty second overall, and he gives you two sixty with twenty five home runs then you could call him a bust. I don't know. That, like, he's going just after Freddie Freeman, but Sanchez is going before Bumgarner, Bellinger, J.D. Martinez, Steven Strasburg, Josh Donaldson, George Springer, Severino, D Gordon, etc. It doesn't seem outlandish to me, I guess. If he had gone before Freddie Freeman, that would seem a little outlandish to me. But, uh, all right. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Number two in ADP is Wilson Contreras who has basically had the same slash line two years in a row. He'll be 26 years old in May. He's about the same age as Gary Sanchez. Um, I don't know if there's anything concerning. It's that he was kind of streaky last year. First 57 games, he was bad. 239 average, five homers. Next 45 games, 1050 OPS. Then he went on the DL for a month and struggled. Uh,
1: he's okay coming back. Um, well, the most concerning thing about Wilson Contreras for me is he has Joe Madden as his manager. hmm Um, and at least at the start of last year, that was costing him a lot of playing time. He was, Madden likes to juggle the lineup as much as any manager in baseball. Miguel Montero, his backup was getting, was starting, you know, two out of every three games for a while, three out of every, or sorry, one out of every three games or one out of every four. Some, more often than the average backup catcher. That sort of started to change in like the second half of the year, and then Contreras got hurt. Um, but, you know, then they got Alex Avila, and it seemed to start back again down the stretch. So I don't know why Madden isn't more committed to putting him back there every day, but it limits the upside. I mean, Chris Jimenez being the backup catcher
2: could make Madden more interested in
0: putting him back there every day.
1: Yeah, I mean, that sounds worse than either Avila or Montero, at least what we thought Montero was at the time.
0: Well, let me ask you this, because Contreras and Posey are going within five, four picks of each other, three picks of each other. If I give you the same amount of plate appearances, who are you taking,
1: Contreras or Posey? I'm still taking Posey. <sighs> yeah, I think I am too, but that does eliminate my biggest concern for Contreras, so it's it becomes much closer.
0: And you both have Posey ahead of
1: Contreras. Yeah.
0: Do you both have Contreras third overall? Yes. Yes. In both formats. Yes. Yes. He used to have Gaddis, but he's since moved Gaddis down. I dropped Gaddis one spot in Roto. Yes. All right. So back to ADP. Yeah. I mean, we should talk about Posey. So early '60s, going in the beginning of the sixth round in a 12-team league, and he hit 320 with 12 home runs last year. 61 walks, 66 strikeouts, 34 doubles, it's a lot, in 140 games. Buster Posey has been the number one or number two catcher in points leagues in six straight seasons. Top three in roto in three straight seasons. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he's a great source of batting average. It's just 12 home runs is, is very low. And he's 31 and he's played a ton of games. Is he like, is there Miguel Cabrera potential here? Uh, for Buster Posey how safe do you think Buster Posey is
1: I think he's pretty safe I mean I would have said the same thing about Luke Roy last year and um, you know he just stopped making any kind of quality contact at an age like in Chris that was one of Chris Towers things last year was just catchers once they get on the wrong side of 30 goes pretty quickly yeah they're the same age Posey and Luke Roy yeah basically Uh, and, and it certainly played out that way with Luke Roy so but at the same time, like, other than the fact that he's hitting 12 to 15 homers now instead of 20 to 25, like, I don't see a lot of warning signs in the batting line. And it's just, when you have a player who's that consistently a standout, and at this position, he certainly is, um, it's hard for me to just say, to just guess, oh, this is the age where he's going to, Fall there, off.
2: there is a little bit more risk of him falling off. Um, as far as the Miguel Cabrera thing, like we have no explanation for really for what happened to Miguel Cabrera in terms of looking at the batting line. So I guess anybody is a candidate to have that type of year. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the home runs go, they're gonna. Ba- I would expect they'll bounce back a little bit. That was the lowest home run to fly ball rate of his career, and four points lower than his career average. So I I expect like somewhere 15, 16 home runs maybe. But I think the big thing that you should see an increase is the combined number of runs in RBI. Because you go through the last four seasons, he was at 160, 170, 162. Last year, 139. It's a big deal. And, he, and that like the runs part especially, he
0: scored 62 runs with a 400 on base. Yeah, it's a big deal. Okay, so that's Buster Posey. So again, Sanchez goes... End of the second round, Wilson Contreras and Buster Posey going kind of like around five, six turn, uh, the end of round five, the beginning of round six in a 12 team league. We have a 46 pick gap before our next catcher comes off the board, and we have two catchers basically going back to back JT Real Muto and Salvador Perez. Let me tell you something about JT Real Muto. If this guy gets traded, it could be huge for him. In 2016 at home, he slugged 359. In 2016 on the road, he slugged 494, batted 352. In 2017 at home, he slugged 351. In 2017 on the road, he slugged 535. He is a much better player. Wow.
1: On the road, yeah. I didn't, I
0: didn't know that until that last night when I saw it. Neither that.
1: did I. I knew that about Yelich, uh, but that sounds just as dramatic for Rio Muto. And we've heard that what Nationals mentioned is a possibility. We've heard the Astros mentioned, which would obviously ruin Brian McCann. Um, but, I mean, this is – because it's not just, like, home road. But if he stays with the Marlins,
0: I don't want anything to do with him as the number four catcher off the board. No chance. Well, yeah, not as number four. Yeah. And, that's not
1: how either of us rank him. But
0: Okay, so where do you – I know you don't. You have Real Muto five in points. Not, <laughs> and oh, so far gone, off. And right? Roto. Yeah. <laughs> and Heath, you have him seventh in points and seventh in Roto. Um, so, but it's just a huge difference, you know, going from probably the worst – maybe the worst lineup in baseball to a – Conceivably much better one and a better partner. But as
1: I was saying before, there's no substitute for playing time at this position. And he gets a lot of it. Yeah.
2: And that would be almost certainly if the Nationals or Astros sign JT Realmuto. He will play less there than he will in Miami.
0: Now, Realmuto was the number three catcher in points, number five in Roto last year. He was the number 109 hitter in points, number 112 hitter in Roto. So I guess my argument is, like, I just don't think that JT Realmuto is having enough of an impact on your fantasy team uh, to justify any type of reach for him. And I don't know what exactly that reach would be. Like, I know, like, eighth round feel like a reach to me. But, oh, okay, where, where did I say he was going? 107th overall? Whatever. It's not, that's the ninth round, tenth round. It's not so bad. But it's just, like, it depends on who else is on the board. I'm never going to sacrifice taking a guy that I think has a lead upside for a JT Real Muto.
1: Personally. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what that was. I, I think or Salvador almost Perez, almost the exact example I used um, as to why I'm, I'm, i am not, you know, unless I happen to get Gary Sanchez where I want him or Buster Posey where I want him, it's probably not worth it because you get into that JT Real Muto class where yes, they're good for their position, but right. they're not really impactful players. And, for where you'd have to draft them, you're giving up somebody who potentially is at some other position.
0: Heath, agree with this premise? That is a
1: really nice tier, though, with Riomoto, Perez, and
2: Yachty of basically the same guy. Play a Gattis, ton.
0: Gaddis is in there, too. Gaddis
2: is the exact opposite of those yeah, guys. He doesn't do what they do. Gaddis yeah. could finish anywhere from the number two catcher to number 20. Those guys are probably
0: going to finish somewhere between five and ten. Is it fair to say we know what to... Basically what to expect from Real Muto and Perez, unless there's a well, trade. Unless, yeah, unless they get traded. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Those numbers you...
0: That's true. We don't know what to expect from Real for, Muto. for, for Real Muto, So yeah. there's huge upside for Real Muto, but you can also expect some of the counting stats uh, to stru- to suffer if he stays with the Marlins. But a trade would be great for him. Perez, 108th overall, fifth catcher off the board. Evan Gaddis, 149th overall. So let's drop down another 40 picks here. To Gaddis, 149th overall, and he's the sixth catcher off the board. People are just not prioritizing catchers. I think we've spoken enough about Gaddis. If he gets a lot of playing time, he's gonna be awesome. If he gets four hundred bats, he's probably gonna to be
1: top yeah, eight. If he, if he gets four hundred of bats, he'll probably be second at the position in home runs still. Right.
0: Um okay, then that brings us to some more interesting players. Yadir Molina, 159th overall. A clear bust potential, as we already said. He's just he's crazy old. But he was the number four catcher in points, number two in Roto. And he hit 18 home runs, uh, second most of his career last year. Yeah, I, I don't really know what to say about Yadi. He's another guy. I just don't really want him. That, that's the thing. Nobody I thought we already talked him. about him. Nobody wants okay. him. That's,
1: I, I think I'm going to have a lot of shares in Yadi or Molina because I think he basically is JT Real Muto. Now, I know I picked him as my bust because I had to pick a bust, and and he's at an age where Sounds that Sounds like you should pick Real Muto as your bust. He's going so much earlier than Molina, and they're basically well, the same. Except yeah, okay. I mean, I I think JT Realmuto is going to do what people expect him to do. I just think maybe it's not worth what they have to pay for him. You and think maybe Molina, that works Molina the will do
0: basically the same thing?
1: And I think Molina will do basically that. Yeah. Except yeah. you can get him 50 well, picks. 50 later. picks later. And right now he's in a much better lineup.
0: And he's still the 7th seventh best 7th seventh highest ADP among catchers. After that, all right, Mike Zanino, number eight. So Zanino, had a, he had a really nice year. You guys don't even have him in your top 12, do you? I don't. I think I do in Roto and don't in points. Okay. So let me just see where he finished. Uh Zanino, sorry. You guys can talk. Oh, oh uh, number eight in points, number seven in Roto last year. With a two fifty-one batting average, 25 homers, 39 walks, and 160 Ks. After being recalled... Uh, it wasn't much better. It was 33 walks and 130 Ks. But he did have a 921 OPS in 100 games after being
1: recalled. So we obsess over Joey Gallo's strikeout rate, like right? Like every time we talk about Joey Gallo, can he overcome that strikeout rate to hit for a high enough average? His strikeout rate last year was 36.8. Mike Zunino's last year, 36.8. And he managed to hit 251, you know? Um, and while he does have good power for a catcher, it's, you know, it's not Joey Gallo level. So, I just don't think he's that good. And, Zunino. Yeah, Zunino. Well, maybe, maybe not Gallo either, but definitely yeah, yeah. Zunino. He,
2: I, he is, um, generic, riskier
0: Evan Geddes. Would you take, uh, Wellington Castillo or Mike Zunino?
1: Ah, uh, hm. I, I, I think I would take Castillo, Castillo, but there's not, you know, it's, I, I could be talked out of it. <laughs> I have, I have them back to back, not just in my catcher rankings,
2: but also in my top 300. Like, I, I feel a little better about what Castillo is going to do, but Zanino does have huge upside.
0: Okay. Ramos or Zanino? Ramos. Oh, Ramos, easily. Yeah. Ramos is, gonna, is looking right now like a pretty good value. 11th catcher off the board, but, you know, 30 picks after Zanino. So after Zanino, it is Wellington Castillo and then Jonathan Lucroy. I think what's interesting about Lucroy is he basically – 2017 was terrible. So was 2015. And then he bounced back in 2016 and was one of the best catchers in fantasy. He was the number two catcher in points, number one in Roto. There are some some batted ball data that shows it's different, that 2015 was better than 2017. But, like, just the raw numbers, the OPS was almost identical. I think it was 7-17 and 7-16. And, And in between, he had an outstanding season, 292 with 24 home runs. And he's the same age as Buster Posey, Jonathan Lucroy. So, what do you think about him being the tenth catcher off the board? What do you think about Lucroy bouncing back?
1: I, I think there were other reasons you could excuse twenty fifteen. First of all, it didn't feel nearly as bad as twenty seventeen because twenty sixteen hadn't happened yet. You know, the the big oh the home run power spike. surge happened in the second half of twenty fifteen, so he wasn't playing like those numbers weren't applied to the skewed environment that last year's numbers were. Uh So that counts for a lot. He also was injured for part of twenty fifteen and. You know, getting excuse that, the batted ball trends, I mean, th- yeah. that certainly counts for something. But we are talking about a
0: guy who was one of the premier players at the position, Jonathan Lucroy. I'm mm-hmm. surprised he's number 10 uh, in ADP because it seems like in our drafts, people don't want him. Uh, like, you're sitting at the end of a draft and, you know, maybe in a 12-team league or a 10-team league, maybe Grandal and Barnes and McCann, maybe you can get them on the waiver wire if that's the case. I've got no problem taking a shot on Lucroy. Drafting him, let's see what happens. I don't mind and that. I'll replace him if I, I have don't it. mind
1: that. Like I just I just feel like I don't know. I don't have a lot of hope no, for yeah, him. I'm he was it. he was so weak last year. And what's funny is the strikeout rate the strikeout rate's always been good for him. It was actually better than ever last right. year. So he made he was making tons of contact. And that's why I held out hope for so long last year, but it just got to a point like this guy this guy's swing just isn't generating the, the power it used to. His ground ball percentage was through the roof. Maybe it was just a mechanical thing, and maybe he'll be able to figure that out. But all that said, you guys have Lucroy in your top twelve.
0: Yeah, so I know. Yeah, I do. You know, it's it's worth a
1: shot with the
0: upside, especially if you feel like look, nobody's going to roster two catchers in a one catcher league. Right. Yep. Unless, especially if you feel like there are replacement players on waivers like maybe Grandal or Chirinos or Castillo, um, Avila, who knows, take a shot on Jonathan Lucroy. Um, it, you know, there's an obvious upside just because he's been a great player. And he
2: has shared some really cool uh, training videos that he has done good. in the offseason. So good, good. I would expect that wherever he signs, he will be in the best shape of his life.
0: <laughs> All right, so uh, we got about six, seven minutes left. So uh, we've talked about our favorite sleepers, breakouts, and busts. I'm going to go a little bit quicker, uh, kind of group guys together in ADP. Wilson Ramos, Austin Barnes, Yasmani Grandal. V- Brian McCann, right there. Okay. That's a really interesting group of four. Ramos, Barnes, Grandal, McCann. I think we can make a case. All of them are, are worthy of being your starting catcher in a 12 team league. But who is your favorite? Ramos, Barnes, Grandal, McCann. And who is your least favorite?
1: It's Barnes for the upside is my favorite. Uh, but obviously we understand the risk there. I, I think he and Wilson Ramos both are, are definitely ahead of the other two for me. What do you What do you think Barnes' upside is? I think he could be the number two catcher in fantasy. I think he could be, um, he could be what Buster Posey used to be. I think. Okay, because so I think Ramos has like Ramos could absolutely be the number two catcher in fantasy. He has been. Um, he has sure. Yep. It and- was it was kind of an oddity for the rest of his career, but part of the reason like. No, I'm I'm on board with the idea that Wilson Ramos could have a bounce back year and is undervalued and all of that because I mean he was coming back from a torn ACL, kinda of rushed back mid season, and uh but you look at a lot of what he did in twenty seventeen, you know, the underlying stats apart from just the batting average was very similar to twenty sixteen when he had that year where he was a stud up there with Posey and and uh Luke Roy. I, I really like your strategy, Heath, of
0: waiting on Ramos. I think it's, you know, I, I think he's a guy that if I draft Wilson Ramos, first of all I can get him late and I'm never going to really be looking for an improvement at catcher. I'm just going to leave him in my lineup and I may never make one catcher transaction the entire year if Wilson Ramos stays healthy. I don't expect greatness. I expect start, starter-worthy player,
1: you know, all season. Honestly, uh, the only thing that I'm seeing that was different statistically for Ramos last year, and, and the things that matter, is he had a low BABIP. Okay. His BABIP yeah. was like 60 points lower than yeah. it was in 2016, when it was perfectly believable in 2016. It's not like it was skewed high or anything. And he was the number three catcher in fantasy.
0: Yep. So, Heath, who's your favorite and least favorite in that group? Barnes, Grandal, Ramos, McCann. Uh Ramos, definitely the favorites. And I guess...
2: I guess Grandal is my least favorite. He's still I, good. He's still a
0: good player. He, that's the problem. Like I, he was top 10 player at, at the position, seventh in points, ninth in roto last year. And like we said earlier in the show, if you missed it, Dave Roberts has said in mid February that Grandal, Yasmani had more playing time in at bats last season. And I see that again, but Austin has earned the opportunities.
2: Yeah. And I, if, if it's 55 45 split even, I would like Grandal better than Barnes.
0: All right, um, let's go to 15 through 20 or so in catcher rankings. We're going to have some prospects coming up here. Jorge Alfaro for Philly, Robinson Chirinos, who had a really good OPS. I think it was OPS over 900 after the Lucroy trade, I'll tell you right now. It was 9.05. So it's Alfaro, Chirinos, Austin Hedges, um, <laughs> Travis Darno.
1: It's my favorite name that's a complete sentence, by the way. Yeah, Austin, Austin Hedges. Hedges.
0: Travis Darno, Chris Iannetta, Christian Vasquez. So all these guys are going ahead of Avila, the Braves guys, Russell Martin, Francisco Mejia, James McCann, Stephen Vogt. Who should be going at the, you know, 15 and beyond a catcher? Like, what do you think about this order? And we must talk about Alfaro and Mejia as well.
2: Well, Chirino's for sure.
0: And McCann.
1: James McCann, yeah. 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 I, I think... I still have Avila there, even though the, the, uh, Humidor.
0: Okay. But but like hedges no, right? And too early for Darno. I mean, Pleweki is better defensively. I mean, that's really gonna be a split there. By the way, they're like very good friends. Well I
2: Avila's gonna be in a big time split. They love Mathis for yep, his defense.
0: They do. Um you know, I'm fine with Iannetta as nineteenth. I know you guys don't have him ranked that way, but I
1: feel like I've got him twenty two, it's fine. Okay. Darno's one of those guys who I'm always surprised when I look at the numbers, they're better than I think they look. Yeah. <laughs> and but you know, I, I guess it's playing time and health. That have really held him back and probably will continue to hold him back.
0: All right. Listen, I, I want you to talk about Mejia and Alfaro, but let me just yep. say this last thing. Cause I, th- I see Russell Martin going, uh, he is the 20, Russell Martin, fifth, 25th pitch, uh, catcher off the board. Again, like I, I feel like he's going to put up similar numbers to Brian McCann. He just, he didn't stay healthy last year. He's 35, but in 2015, he was a top four catcher. In 2016, Martin was a top eight catcher. And he scored more fantasy points per game in 2017 than he did in 2016 when he was a top eight catcher.
1: Yeah, but there was, there was like a dreadful start of 2016, if you remember, that kind of skewed the numbers. Like last year he was, he was just not very good all season and he's in the, uh, second to last year of his contract. What, what really concerns me for Russell Martin is there's, since we're getting into some prospect talk here, Danny Jansen, uh, for the Blue Jays. Guy who stormed through the system last year, three different levels, hit 323 with a 400 on base percentage, more walks than strikeouts, uh, 884 OPS. He made it all the way to AAA. Like, he's knocking on the door and he may break it down this year. So that, that concerns me for Martin. Okay.
0: Talk to me about Mejia and Alfaro.
1: Mejia is the best catcher prospect in baseball. And uh, we saw him a little in the majors at the end of last season. I actually worked some at third base this winter, so they're very interested in getting his bat in the lineup. He had his minor league numbers; batting average is ridiculous, and there's some power there too. But two years ago, he had a 50 game hitting streak in the minors—50 games. Wow! Yeah, so that's—I mean, that's the it's kind of 56, hitting ability. But it's pretty good. You know? <laughs> that's the kind of hitting ability we're talking about from a catcher, and he, he's right there. Um, when do you think he comes up? Even if he comes up to play third base, like, you know, he's still catcher eligible. I would think he's going to be up in the first half at some point, maybe as early as, like, May. Okay, Francisco Mejia for the Indians.
0: And Alfaro's, you know, different boat, but still going yeah. pretty high.
1: A lot of raw power there. I've never been impressed by the minor league numbers, but I could have said the same for Gary Sanchez. Uh I think strikeouts will hold Alfaro back in a way they haven't Sanchez. But he's supposed to have first crack at the Philly starting catcher job and, you know, was fairly productive last year with a lot of strikeouts. So, you know, again, that's that's a concern. But the little we saw of him in the majors, he was fairly productive. Chance Cisco, another uh rookie catcher, the Orioles, who's in the past had hit, hit for high averages in the minors, actually had a terrible season last year, but apparently not so bad that they're not willing to give him a look. He's my least favorite Of those three, but uh, you don't want to forget about Chance Cisco. All
0: right, so sum it up. Tell me if this sounds right. I'm willing to reach, I don't want to reach for anyone ever, but sometimes I'm willing to reach for three catchers Gary Sanchez, Buster Posey, Wellington, or Wilson Contreras. That is it. Anyone else on the board, Uh, maybe Mejia in a two catcher league. Anyone else on the board, you better love the value you're getting. Otherwise, you're going to be passing up better players at other positions that just are going to have much more of an impact on your fantasy team.
1: I think that's a good s- way to sum it up for me. I do. I am willing to reach a little bit for Austin Barnes, but oh, okay. we're still talking about late teens there. Heath?
2: Yeah, and I don't think late teens. That's the th- question is what is reaching? But Because I guess a lot of people would think I've re- I'm reaching for Evan Geddes because he's going in the – early teens in some drafts. But in a two-catcher league, I'm, I'm fine with taking him a lot earlier than that.
1: Yeah, if I love the value of somebody. And I, I that right. sounds like a scenario where you love the value, and I might love the value at that point too.
2: And it's the same thing with Ramos. Um It's probably for me, if I have a pick at the 2-3 turn in a Roto League, I'm going to probably try to take Gary Sanchez. Okay. If Buster Posey's there in the fourth, I'm really strongly considering taking Buster Posey.
0: In a points and a Roto League? Yes. Okay. All right, that's it for our catcher preview. Mailbag tomorrow. Send us your emails. FantasyBaseball at CBSI.com. Yeah, all right, I'm done. Goodbye.